And I am Aware Now. Aware Now, the official platform for causes. Tune in and turn it up as we raise awareness one story at a time for the causes that tie us all together. This is Elizabeth Betty Robinson, written and narrated by Todd Brown. So I want to tell you a story today if you have a few minutes here to sit down and listen to this. I, I've told this story as a teacher for years and years, and it's still, every time I tell it, every time I read about it, it just continually blows me away. It's something that if you couldn't look up and confirm, you would say this is so outlandish, there's no way this is true, and it's an entirely fabricated story. But believe it or not, it is true. I like to call it uh, the story of Betty Robinson, Elizabeth Betty Robinson, Trains, Planes, and Olympic Thrills. So many of you have probably heard the book series, The Boy Who Lived. But have you ever heard the true story of the girl that died? Okay, let me, let me, hold on. So maybe I'm just being too vague here. How about the story of a 16-year-old that started her career because of a train, won an Olympic gold medal, died, and then won another Olympic gold medal eight years later. This is the tale of the most remarkable comeback story that you've probably never heard. So Elizabeth Betty Robinson was 16 years old when in a tiny town of Riverdale, Illinois, on her way from home from school, she was bounding up the stairs late for the train. This was 1928, it was a cold winter's day. And as a matter of happenstance, her biology teacher, Charles Price, was sitting on the train and saw her bounding up the stairs and thought, oh, that's too bad she's going to miss it and have to sit here in the cold weather and wait for the next train. A few minutes later, he looks into the, down the train, down the car of the train, and says, holy cow, she actually made that train. How in the world did she do that? There was no way she was going to make the train. So he sat down with her and said, you know, that was pretty incredible. I'd like to see if you'd be interested in tomorrow, if I could time you running 50 yards, a 50-yard dash, literally down the hallway of the school because I'm the boys' track coach. See if you're fast enough to run track. Now, now hold on, mind you, not girls' track because we don't have a girls' track team. Girls were not competing uh, in high school. There was no uh, opportunity for the females to run track in high school. She agreed, and the self-proclaimed hick, Betty Robinson, said, sure, I'll, I'll definitely jump on and see what happens. Uh, I think it could be fun. So the next day she shows up after school. She runs down the hallway, 50 yards, gets timed. The coach looks at the stopwatch and was like, holy cow. I mean, she was impressive bounding up the stairs and making the train, but she actually can run, like really run. How about if I invite you out to train with the boys track team, and then we'll see if we can get you into some kind of competitive race, amateur competitive race at a higher level, just to see how you would do. This was at Thornton Township High School, just outside of Chicago, and Betty had never run competitively and spent a lot of time really practicing her guitar skills, she was part of theater, she, did a, she was a straight-A student, 
she did outside activities and you know would compete and you know at, during picnics and, and school day and things like that but never really thought about even running competitively so she was going to uh find out actually how fast she really was so the amazing thing about this is incredibly after only a few weeks of training she was given an opportunity to run competitively for the first time she runs she competes at the 100 meters and she places second only to the u.s record holder in the 100 meter dash she was beaten only by the record holder in the 100 meter dash for the entire united states and because of her close finish Betty was immediately invited uh, to join the uh, Illinois Women's Athletic Club. Only weeks after her attempting catching the train in her second race, shortly thereafter placing second, she not only beat the U.S. record holder, but recorded the fastest time in the history of the world in the women's 100-meter dash. So at 16, she's bounding up stairs to catch a train, happens to be seen by the boys track coach a few weeks later runs her first race comes in second and then shortly after that breaks the women's world record in the 100 meters at 16 years old but here unfortunately her time was when dated so it was not verified as the official world record a month later because of her performance she was invited to and competed in the olympic trials in new jersey she had to race three times in a single hour to hopefully qualify for our Olympic team. And that put that in perspective. When you watch Usain Bolt and some of the people now in the in the Olympic Games, they run a prelim, a quarterfinal, a semifinal, and a final over three days. She had to run a prelim, a semi, and a final in one hour. After racing three times in a single hour, she placed second and earned a spot on the U.S. Olympic team in 1928 for the first women's track and field competition at 100 meters in Olympic history in Amsterdam. 16 years old, within a month, month and a half of running to catch a train, she is now representing the United States in the US Olymp in the uh, Olympic Games. So Betty, on her way over across the Atlantic, for nine days trained on the deck of the ship, crossing from New York to Amsterdam. So she went from months for over the course of months, she went from trying to catch her commuter train to literally chasing history. But she faced incredible odds. She was competing against three Canadians and two Germans in the finals. Her stiffest competition came from a 24-year-old multiple Canadian national record holder who had already beaten Betty in their only head-to-head -head race in a preliminary heat during the Olympics. She still, Betty was still almost a month shy of her 17th birthday and entered the Olympic finals with less than 10 races under her belt. It didn't start well. She showed up and not only did she show up seeming calm, but she arrived wearing two left shoes. She actually said, you know what? I'm just gonna take them off and run barefooted. That's the way it is. And then realized, you know what? Let me calm down, I had some time she was able to send somebody to retrieve her right shoe. So now with her proper shoes on, the race was set to begin. The gun goes off, oh, disqualification, someone false started. They were eliminated. Everybody's set to run again. Gun goes off, oh, disqualification, somebody false started. The finals gets narrowed down to four women. 
When the race begins finally after the two false starts and disqualifications, Betty, because of her inexperience, had a slow start. But amazingly, she catches the leader from behind and squeezed out a victory, becoming the first ever women's 100-meter Olympic gold medalist and tying the world record. And by the way, just as a, as a note, she's still the youngest Olympic track and field gold medalist in the history of the world, still today. Later, she adds a silver medal in the women's 4x100-meter relay, bringing her total to two medals, one world record, and the first 100-meter gold medalist in history, with less than six months of sprinting competitively under her belt. So again, not too bad for a hick that spent most of her time inside practicing a guitar. And you know, that could be the most amazing story really when you think about it. A 16-year-old going from catching a train to breaking the world record within a month, two months. But that's not the most unbelievable thing that Betty ever did. After she returned home from the Olympics in 1928 in Amsterdam, she was greeted by a crowd of 20,000 people in Chicago. She returned to her high school, graduated, and attended Northwest University, uh, and Northwestern University, excuse me, and pursued a degree in physical education. And she had the intent of defending her title in the 1932 Olympics. That's what she was looking at. In the meantime, as time moves forward, Betty sets world records in the 50 meters, the 100 meters again. And in 31, she set world records in the 60 and 70. So she, at this point, at 18 years old, sets world records in the 50, the 60, the 70, and the 100-meter dash. The National Committee Chairman of Women's Athletics, Fred Steers, when he watched her run, said that was the most sensational performance of the meet from this slim, smiling Chicago girl who runs like a man. Now, I'm assuming that's supposed to be a compliment, Wow, you're awesome. You run like a man. When in reality, you'd say, Wow, here's a teenager that had no experience and now is the fastest woman at almost every distance from 100 meters down in the history of the world. I think that's more of a compliment, but so be it. And then, shortly after her last hundred, or shortly after her last world record performance, Betty dies. And I, I said that correctly. Betty dies. So what happened? So Betty, at the time, she was, she was cooling down. She was trying to take a break, get away from track, recover. She asked her cousin to take her flying to help her cool off. And when the plane reached about 600 feet, the engine stalled a nosedive to the ground. Straight to the ground freefall. A witness that happened to be driving by the field saw the crash, pulls over in his truck, and approaches the crash site. Betty is dead. He picks her body up, puts her in the bed of his truck, and drives her to the mortician. Upon arrival, unloading the body, giving her to the mortician, the mortician finds that she actually has a weak pulse. She has sustained a shattered hip, leg, arm, and has severe internal injuries. She's rushed to the hospital, and after multiple surgeries and being unconscious in a coma for seven weeks, she actually has a long pin inserted into one of her legs to try to reconstruct it, and then that, which made her leg one of her legs shorter than the other. 
After three months, she was released from the hospital. Now, she was alive, but her dreams of the 32 Olympics or ever running again basically died in that plane crash, much like we thought she did. But according to her granddaughter, in an interview with the Chicago Times, Betty, quote, did not like to be told no and was really not a fan of the word impossible. Betty was wheelchair-bound for six months, and it took her two years of rehabilitation to learn to walk again. But here's the thing. Even walking with a limp and going through all of that, she said, you know what? Walking is just too slow. I, I just, it drives me nuts. So she said, you know what? I'm going to jog. Betty started trying to jog up and down the street. It was painful, but she kept doing it and started to get a little stronger. She said, you know what? Jogging's great. I feel a little better. Still have this limp, but you know what? I, I just really like to run. She starts running. Not very fast, but she's running. This is somebody that was dead. And now she's running again. And before you know it, she starts to sprint. Betty Robinson is sprinting again. Meanwhile, she's missed the 32 Olympics, obviously. Now we're slowly closing in on the 36 Olympics. So after continuing to train in 1936, Betty makes the team again. She has made the Olympic team for the Berlin Games as a member of the 4x100 meter relay team. Now, if you remember, the Berlin Games are known as the Hitler Olympics, obviously uh, moving towards World War II. She happened to be the oldest member of the team that was basically held together with pins in her legs and just pure determination. So the U.S. team progresses to the finals but has tremendous competition for the Germans who in a previous heat in that Olympic Games had broken the world records, or the world record, excuse me. So during the finals, the U.S. is in a close second behind the Germans as they hand the baton to the third leg. The home team, as they transfer the baton, drops the baton. Betty helps her team hold off the rest of the competition to win a gold medal. So here's the question. Would the U.S. have won if the Germans hadn't dropped the baton? Let, let's ask Betty. What do, what do you think, Betty? Would you have won? Would your team have won? She says, and I quote, I wish the Germans hadn't dropped the baton. Helen, our anchor leg, was faster, so we would have won anyway. So here we are. Betty Robinson wins another gold medal eight years later after her first gold medal at 16 after she dies in a plane crash and is driven in the bed of a truck to a mortician. It's well known that in 1936, you know, Jesse Owens was the story with his four gold medals, and, and rightfully so. But Betty Robinson solidified her name in history. After she retired from sprinting, and she worked at, uh, as a AAU timekeeper, an amateur athletic union timekeeper. She worked as a public speaker for the Women's Athletic Association and Girls Athletic Association, and even worked for a long time at a hardware store. She was so humble that she stored her three Olympic medals, two of which are gold, and a Russell Stover's candy box in her dresser. She was inducted into the U.S. National Track and Field Hall of Fame in 1977, but for some crazy reason, and I can't stress this enough, crazy reason, she's yet to enter the United States Olympic Hall of Fame. So fast forward to 1996, an 84-year-old frail but determined grandmother carried the heavy Olympic torch as it headed towards Atlanta. Regardless of her physical age, she refused help. No one was going to tell her what she can do or what she couldn't do. 
This was the last time that Betty would contribute to the Olympics and a sport that she really helped build. On May, 19, uh, May 17, 1991, sadly, Betty Robinson passed away at the age of 70, uh, 87. She had fought for years with Alzheimer's and then had been diagnosed with cancer. Unfortunately, her passing somewhat went unnoticed in the national and international media. Betty was the first woman to win an Olympic gold in the 100 meters and to this day is the youngest woman, woman to ever win the event. At 16, she was the fastest woman in the world she was virtually killed in a plane crash only to recover and capture a second Olympic gold in Berlin eight years later. In 2015, her story was purchased by DreamWorks for a major motion picture. And as of today, sadly, it sits on someone's shelf yet to be made. Regardless if the movie's ever made, we have to celebrate the light that Betty Robinson lit for generations of women in track and field. She turned the light on and now it's our job to tell her story and keep the bulb burning. Tune into our podcast, subscribe to our magazine, find us and join us online. Visit IamAwareNow.com. We will no longer wait for permission to change the world. Together, we are aware now.